0: Good morning. It's Friday. What is today? I'm a little excited. May the 18th Friday morning currently 9.09 a.m. local Dayton, Ohio time and we're here live broadcasting from the Dayton Hamvention International. This is the entrance uh, East Hall exhibit entrance. We're gonna go in first and take a look around at uh, all the expensive exhibitor exhibits you can see behind me it's one of the many displays we'll take you around we'll show you some of the more interesting sites here at Dayton
1: to TV, episode 13 i'm george
0: and i'm jim and i'm
1: tommy and we'd like to introduce our new friend from down under
2: hi i'm peter
1: jim and uh tommy have just been to date and uh how do y'all like that trip boys
3: and it was a lot of fun that thing was so huge it's just unbelievable
0: it really is overwhelming yeah,
1: I wish I could have made it, but I was not properly funded for such a venture this year.
3: Yeah, we we only stayed two full days, and we did not see
0: everything in the two days. And Peter just been to a ham fest himself, right, Peter?
2: That's right. I've been to the Moorabbin and Districts Radio Club Ham Fest uh, here in Melbourne, in Australia, and it's the largest ham fest uh, in, in Victoria. Uh, there's a larger one, uh, up in New South Wales uh, uh, called the uh, Wyong uh, Hamfest, which I hope to go to one day.
0: moreover George, can you pronounce that? I can't. I tried a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, so we've got Hamfest coverage from around the world, literally. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, he brought us back some footage from there, and we're going to enjoy looking at that here in a little bit. So, uh, Jim, what did you look at when you were at Dayton?
0: Ooh, lots of stuff, lots of stuff, especially uh, enjoyed the big uh, vendors, uh, seeing their latest gear. You know, folks like Yezu, Icom, Tentec, you name it, uh, L-Craft. Uh, of course, also really enjoyed uh, walking all over the outside flea market. I think they say, George, that if you walk up and down every aisle and around the perimeter, or maybe it was just around the perimeter of the outside flea market, You will have walked seven and one-half miles.
3: Wow. Yeah, I feel like I walked
0: at least seven miles. (laughs) Uh, They told us before we went, you can't see it all, and I didn't believe them, but now I do.
1: Wow. Well, I had no idea. You know, I've never been there, and I
0: plan to make it one
1: day. But like I say, I would need proper funding for such a venture because I couldn't come back home
0: empty-handed.
3: You would you would not have come home empty-handed.
0: <laughs> Whether you had the funds or not, right, Tom?
3: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Yeah, well, let's look look at a little <laughs> of that footage, Jim. Okay, here we go. Here we are in Dayton. Carry you around on a little tour. This is the Yezu exhibit. Yezu has some really nice rigs these days. Here's the 897D. You know they got it. Tommy's admiring it. It's on a table with an 817 portable QRP rig, like one of those. And the 850-7D there to the right, being admired from uh, the rear by some gentleman. And behind that, a pretty nice antenna, Uh, the ATAS 120 is that right? Uh, Tommy liked that one so much he took it home with him. And over here, Yezu's new rig, the FT-450, if I remember the model number correctly. Cute little rig, small enough to be portable, big enough to be a base. Only one antenna jack on the rear, but a direct connect serial port. And a nice hefty power wire. Here's the granddaddy, FT-9000. The uh, big rigs from all the manufacturers seem to have this LCD screen attachment, peripheral, whatever you call it, plugs in the rear. As well as the on-radio screen. This rig is of course in the neighborhood of $10,000. Nice looking mic. Ah yes, the Tintec booth. One of my favorite places at Dayton. Starting off the tour here with a Titan amplifier. High power antenna tuner, the Centurion amplifier, 10-tech had them all there, as well as some Dayton specials, used Orion transceivers. Ah, and here's my rig of choice, the Omni 7 networkable rig, plug your ethernet cable right into the back. And operate the rig from anywhere across the internet or your local network. That means you could talk on it from the office. I hope my boss isn't watching this. Hey, Again, you just give me a credit card and get me one of them. <laughs> Do what then? Tommy's Do encouraging me, me to here? take out my credit yeah, card and just buy one of these. take a ride That 2. is the all-time Cadillac. Considered the Cadillac of by many people. Here's a little shot of the rear of it as well. On to the ICOM booth. We were moving a little quicker here. Kenwood had a booth but uh, it was even smaller than the ICOM booth. And we didn't uh, get any of, if, if very little footage. Again the Externally attached LCD screen, this is the IC7800, 706 Mark 2 G, 756 Pro 3, I know it's moving quickly. We were looking for ICOM's new rig, but I think there were enough people there, they had it covered up. The back of the IC7800. We're going to come around now and look at the IC7000 and its external screen. Ah, oh, that's another rig I would love to have. And finally, on to El booth, a very popular place at Dayton since their introduction of their new hfn six meter rig, the K3. Here's designer owner Wayne Murdoch. The basic radio is 10 watts, but or you can buy it as a 100 watt model, or you can buy 10 watts and upgrade to 100 watts anytime. Sure. Stillman wants to pick up the rig. Wayne says it weighs eight so we're
3: really targeting this at you know, de expeditions and RVs and you know high
4: power contesting operations. Um, we're on you know, a fairly compact, lightweight desktop rig. We just don't like a good base. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We're we're gonna we're gonna top the Orion and the IC7800. Several performance catchers.
0: Interesting, Wayne. There saying that K3 is going to top the Orion and the IC7800 from Icom. In several performance categories, I assume he's referring to the Orion 2. Here's one of the K3 set up with the cover off. You know, it is a kit, albeit a non-solder module, snap-together module kit. Wish this shot were better so you could see more detail. It is software controllable.
2: See that FT nine thousand is a nice piece of equipment, and uh, I wouldn't mind owning that. Um, what does it they say? The bigger the boys, the bigger the toys.
0: Yes, yes, Peter, you're very, uh, very well said, in fact, and or in this case, the bigger the boy's pocketbook, the bigger the toys, I guess.
1: And Tommy, was that your antenna on there that I saw too? Yeah, that's the one I bought. I
3: love that thing, man. I've got it on my truck now. I made a Contact to, to Colorado on six meters with it this morning. Yeah, it's automatic tuning, huh? Automatic tuning. It raises itself up and down. It's uh, it's really nice not having to get out and move jumpers or adjust things by hand.
1: Well, I bet that is and I'm using one of those antennas from down under myself on the marble. <laughs> I use outbacker? an Outbacker.
0: Yep. Ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. One of Peter's uh, countryman's inventions. Oh, yep. Yeah. Straight out of the pages of QST and straight from uh, uh, the Houndvention floor, we ran upon a young man and a hydrogen powered car. Hi, how you doing? Uh, what's your name? Trent Jensen. Hey Trent. Uh, see the uh, uh, car here in the background. Uh, can you pronounce the name of it for us?
5: It is a hydrogen fuel cell car we call Sub-Zero Cool. Saw
0: the article in uh, QST, are you a member of the team that helped design or build the
5: vehicle? Yes, I am. Hey, good. Uh, tell us a little bit about the car. Uh, the car is a hydrogen fuel cell car. It's po- powered by a Hydrogenics fuel cell. Um, the fuel is compressed hydrogen stored in tanks. It uh, weighs about 1,500 pounds with fuel and driver. Uh, it's entirely carbon fiber.
0: And what uh, group um, are you associated with that helped build, that designed
5: and built the vehicle? Uh, The Society for Energy Alternatives at the University of North Dakota. Okay, cool. And what is the connection to HAM radio? Are you HAM? I am. KC0YXH. We use HAM radio to communicate between our lead and chase vehicles, um, because state law in North Dakota requires us to have a chase vehicle at least. And we have an antenna in this car, so it's easy communication between the two. Cool, very cool. Oh man! And uh, so, were
0: you guys invited to display here, or did you guys just uh, just decide
5: this was something you wanted to do? We were actually invited. So.
0: Yeah, it's cool. Trent, thanks for taking time to talk to us. Hi, we're here talking with Scott Robbins of Tintech. How's it going, Bud? It's going good. <laughs> am, am I correct in assuming that? Uh, not assuming in Recalling that you were. Uh, competitor in this past year's uh, ARRL CW worldwide competition? Yeah, that's correct. From Canada. Yeah, yeah. And uh, how did you fare? Uh, hopefully I won. We'll have to see. I mean, the checking's not out yet, but at least I had the number one claim score on the Internet. Yeah, very good. Congratulations yeah, on thanks. that. Uh, could you tell our viewers uh, why you were operating from Canada, for instance? Well, it's closer to Europe. It's a little more advantageous spot than Tennessee would be. So play it into your strategy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for taking a little time out to talk to us. We appreciate it. Okay, you're welcome.
1: Well, that Scott Robbins must be really quick on the finger.
3: Yeah, he's really into that CW stuff. I, I believe he lives in Tennessee, and he, he went all the way up to Canada to compete because it would be a more strategic location for him. So that's that's pretty into it right there.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's legal. I don't know. Um, what other kind of characters did you run into out there?
3: Oh, man, we ran into a bunch of them. We were walking through the, the swap table area, and ran into quite a number, um, we ran into the 2600 crew, they, um, they uh, were Tommy, out there. Tommy, working. who's the
2: 2600 crew? Uh,
3: well, that's, uh, the people from www.2600.com, um, 2600 is the tone that, uh, payphones used to use to initiate a phone call, I think you, you've probably heard of a blue box and red box and so forth, um, Anyways, um, that's what it's named after, but uh, it's a, somewhat of a hacker, hacker uh, community, and uh, they're pretty popular. I actually recognized the walking through because I saw them on 60 Minutes on the news program here for probably, it must have been 10 or 15 years ago. So they've been around quite a long time and had quite a following. They, uh, their table was really full uh, Emmanuel Goldstein was there. He's the one I recognize. I guess he's the, the leader of them. And uh, he was really busy, so we started off talking to Tony, and then uh, we had just just a very brief time to be able to talk to Emmanuel at the end. Hey, it's Tommy. We're still still here at the. Uh Dayton Hamvention, we ran into some pretty famous uh, figures. Uh, we ran into the uh, the uh, 2600 crew. Uh, can you tell us your name?
6: Uh, I'm uh, Tony. Tony. What are you guys doing, Tony? Um, well, I mean, well, here at Hamvention, uh, you know, obviously uh, peddling our our wares of uh, 2600, you know, goods uh, and merchandise. You know, selling our magazines, our hats, clothes, our DVDs. Uh, we have uh, all, all of our DVDs from all of our panels at our conference, which is a biannual conference that we hold in New York City at the Hotel Pennsylvania called Hackers on Planet Earth or Hope. Um, you know, we're just uh, hanging out here and selling stuff, talking to people, you know, meeting the, all kinds of, you know, all, all kinds of people that are interested in, the, you know, the technology scene. And it's, it's great. Uh, you know, I, I love doing this. So... Yeah, it looks like you guys got quite the turnout here yeah That's no we, we we do all, we have a, a a really good following and I did, it's 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 really a great thing and I, I love seeing that there's people that are actually out there reading it and and uh, you know you know just over my 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 message uh, I mean I guess my message is that you know I, I okay I've seen several people come by that uh you know, they they look down at it and they see the hacker quarterly written on the magazines, and they're like, "Oh, oh my gosh!" You know, and you know they they get a they have a, a negative outlook on the word hacker. And I mean, the 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 word hacker doesn't mean you know we're at, you know steal your credit cards, you know, destroy your identity. That's not what it's about. I mean, the hacker is just it's somebody that's interested in, in technology that that uh, you know likes to try to to bend it. Um, you know, my when people ask me what a hacker is, you know, I tell them a hacker is somebody that likes to, for example, take a piece of technology, uh, change, you know, what it is to make it do something that it was not intended to do. You know, whether or not that's for good or bad, you know, that's that's all on the other person. That's not on the on the whole entire hacking community. Just because one person does something, you know, malicious, that that doesn't make everybody else bad. Because I don't do malicious things. You know, I I just I just like to. To try to bend the rules of, of technology and the things involved in it. So,
3: so. Yeah, well you're out here with the group of people that like to change the way
6: things work right. and
3: do the right. similar right. similar things. Right. You guys still publish the Hacker Quarterly. You guys have a radio show as well, don't
6: you? Yeah, we uh we actually we do two uh, radio shows. Uh, our our main radio show that that we do that's uh, uh it's called Off the Hook. It's on WBAI in New York. Uh, uh it's on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Um you can go to the website 2600.com we have links to stream it uh... so you know if you're not in new york and can't get it on the, on fm you can just listen to it um, you know live on via the internet so we've got several different feeds like high quality you know lower quality and also we archive all of our shows as well so uh... you know usually at that night after the show it'll be on the website for download um, you know and and high quality or you know low so
3: uh, I got. I've got one more question. Okay. Uh, Windows, Linux, or Mac?
6: <laughs> Linux. Okay. Linux. Linux. <laughs> All right. I had to ask. <laughs> oh yeah. Of course. Yeah. Is uh is there anything else? No. I appreciate you taking. Okay, cool. the time Thanks to a lot. To us.
3: And we also have Emanuel Goldstein here. And uh, we uh, saw you guys. out want to stop by and give <laughs> you a chance to say hi. Hey We've we got a lot of young viewers in the computer scene, mm-hmm. uh, as well as a bunch of uh, people around my age, uh, amateur radio operators.
4: Yeah. It's great to mix the worlds together, computer hackers, amateur radio, Dayton, New York, because there's so many things in common. We always have fun coming out here.
3: Is this your first year
4: here? Oh, no. Been we've, here we've been here many times. We, always, we drive the 2600 van, somehow every year it makes it, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> this year is no exception. A bit more expensive to drive out here, but uh, still worth it.
3: Awesome. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. I'm just glad this place exists and
4: people come out and meet up. Yeah, Essential cool. part of the year. Yeah,
3: appreciate it. Take
1: care. Emmanuel Goldstein, didn't, didn't he run into some kind of legal trouble or something with uh, the motion picture guys? Yeah.
3: Yeah, I think he got in trouble for having the code, uh, I think it's called DECSS, to, that cracks uh, crack the DVD encryptions. I believe it was on his website. If I'm not mistaken,
1: yeah. Yeah, I guess that could cost a few dollars to fend
2: off.
3: Yeah, I imagine so.
2: And did you run into any other characters there, uh, Tommy?
3: Oh, yeah, Peter. There were tons of characters. There was this really interesting guy that uh, he had quite, quite the up. He had a backpack on full of batteries and an antenna. Hooked up to the frame and a QRP rig and a, even an amplifier strapped to his chest. It was it was quite interesting. Let's take a look at that. Hey, this is Tommy. We're still out here at Dayton Hamvention and uh, we ran into Bob here, W7KU. He puts new meaning to the portable portable operator. Uh, tell us about your equipment, Bob.
4: Well, I've got a YAESU FT817 and a little uh, MFJ uh, mini tuner and a 35 watt amplifier. And my antenna is uh, parts from the buddy pole antenna line, but never used the way they're (laughs) originally intended. I've got it center loaded and a big capacity hat on the top, which really makes it really efficient, more efficient than it would be. And uh, I've got 32 countries with my setup just like this. Oh, wow. So, uh, and I just am listening to the HF pack net right now. Uh, All the people that are at Hamvention that are doing this kind of stuff are all having a net right now. And we're going to meet out in front of Hera Arena Uh, for a big group picture at 2 o'clock and an Eyeball
3: QSO. We'll have to see if we can go out there and get some of that video as well. Uh, Tell us about your power supply right quick if you have... have Um, uh, My power is uh, 10 amp hour
4: D-cell nickel metal hydrides. And uh, I soldered them all together with brass strips so that I wouldn't have any voltage drop between the cells. And actually these batteries are amazing because you can charge them with a 23 amp power supply that everybody has a 13 volt power supply, they'll draw 23 amps when they're dead. Wow. Uh, but then they'll charge overnight in about uh, 10 hours, and uh, they'll run this setup for about two days. Oh, that's
3: pretty impressive. I appreciate you taking a couple minutes to talk to us. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Well, gentlemen, that's quite a setup that gentleman has got. But uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I wouldn't be terribly keen on being so close to such powerful radio emissions. Uh, not very good for the health, I don't think.
1: Yeah, it could yep. be a little dangerous. Yeah, that's
2: like what I was thinking when I
3: saw it as well. But.
1: Well, didn't you pick up a new uh, portable rig yourself while you were there, Tommy?
3: Oh, yeah, man. I picked up, actually, I picked up an antenna that we discussed earlier, a uh, new mobile rig for my truck, and several other things. Plus, I got a new handy talkie, And, uh, man, it has got the range, too, i tell you. It's a Benford 2007 model. <laughs> wow. Can you More fold power. Up,
1: can you fold up that antenna? Or it looks like it'd be knocking you in the head if you had it on the belt.
3: Yeah, it's, it's pretty hard to keep it on your pocket.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I couldn't go to Dayton myself, so um, I checked around the Internet, and I came across the website of WA5KUB, Tom, out of Memphis, who streams his trip to Dayton every year, and he also streams video once he gets there at Dayton. And, uh, you know, I was watching that thing one day there during the uh, convention, And I saw these two weird-looking characters come up. They look vaguely familiar to me.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, we actually ran into him and did an interview with him. His name's Tom. He's a really nice guy, WA5KUB. Yeah, let's have a look at that. We're still out at Dayton Hamvention, and uh, a lot of you that have checked the coverage on the Internet may have seen uh, Tom's link, WA5KUB.com, on the Hamvention site. He's been streaming his trip all the way up here, I believe, from Memphis. Isn't that right,
7: Yeah, that's right. Uh, 550 miles, we were able to stream it uh, the whole trip. We uh, were anticipating a blackout zone through Kentucky, but this year we had great coverage through there, so it was a, a great trip. Uh-huh. That's pretty awesome. Have you had very many people come by and check out your helmet cam? You know, there's a lot of people uh, come by and they want to meet us and say hello. We go in restaurants tonight and they say, hey, we know you guys. In fact, uh, somebody recognized Bruce the other day. and he, uh, says, hey, I know you. You're Bruce. You're the guy in the car. So a lot of people have been watching us uh, the last couple of days and, and uh, know who we are. Kind of been following us.
3: That's pretty cool. Uh, Our other guy that does the show with us, George, he's been checking it out pretty often at home. He wasn't able to make it out here this year. Uh, How many years have you been out here doing this?
7: Well, this is my 28th year to come to Dayton, 28 straight years to come to Dayton, but we've only been streaming video about five years. This is our fifth year. We've actually only uh, upgraded equipment and and did it in a much more professional way, way the last two years.
3: Oh, that's pretty. Yeah. What, what? Can you tell us about the equipment and what you're using for connectivity here?
7: Yeah, we're using uh, the uh, wireless service that you can get at about any provider, like Sprint or, or Verizon. It's the uh, EVDO um, uh, type coverage. It's uh, actually CD, CDMA. It's like uh, I think 1800 to 1900 megahertz. It's a little different than a cell phone, but you know it kind of rides along with the cell towers. It's not. Not exactly cell phone, so it is a different type of service, but we uh, we take our stream from uh, our encoder here on the laptop, we send it back to a server that we have in Miami, and then that server is on the Internet, and then we have a much larger connection to the Internet so we can serve uh, a lot more people. And uh, we've had people in uh, probably 100 to 120 countries that have uh, tuned in and watched us and chatted with us uh, on on this particular uh, trip that we've made.
3: Will the, uh, will the archives of your uh, video files here be on the on the site to view later or some pictures or how will that work? Anything you can see at a later time?
7: Yeah we'll, we'll put uh, we always have still pictures. Uh, I, I, I kind of feel we have one of the largest collections of Dayton Hamvention pictures on the internet. We've got about five or six years now we put about 100 pictures every year or maybe 150 pictures. Uh, each year uh, on, on our website. We will put still pictures on here this year. Our, and we'll also probably be running a slideshow of still pictures on our website. And uh, we'll have some archiving uh, that we'll probably run. Uh, I just uh, got off the roof a few minutes ago. Uh, we were up there and uh, we were able to uh, get a bird's eye view of the place, we archived all that, so we'll be able to show that uh, on the internet too.
3: Awesome! I look forward to seeing that. Well,
7: uh, anyway, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us,
3: and hopefully, we'll see you out here again next year.
7: Well, you're welcome. Thank you very much for coming Thank by. You.
3: Thank you. Tom, he was a pretty nice guy. You know, he's pretty well a fixture there at Dayton. Everyone knows about him. He—that's uh, not the only ham fest he goes to. He—he'll be at the uh, one in Huntsville, Alabama, coming up. He—he he makes the rounds. Goes to to pretty much all of the big ones
1: yeah you know i was really glad to find that it, even though i couldn't be a date and it gave me a a little bit of a connection to it because i could watch the video there and see people coming by and uh you know it gave me a little feel of uh, camaraderie with the folks who actually were able to attend it and uh it was real interesting watching this his webcam streaming live there and because there was also a little chat room beside it and you could see uh you know, all of us who were sitting at home commenting on the big bellies walking by the cameras (laughs) because there were quite a few. I'd say uh, probably us amateurs spend too much time sitting in front of the microphones. Maybe we should get up and walk around or ride a bicycle sometime.
3: Don't forget to take your handy talkie with you.
1: Yeah, but anyway, uh, (laughs) Tom, thank you. That that was really great. Uh, And anyone interested, go check out WA5KUB. He's got some other videos there you might like to see as well
2: well uh well gentlemen uh, down under we also have uh hamventions uh, not quite as big but uh certainly plenty of interesting junk to go by and i actually got some footage from a recent Morabin and districts radio club hamvention so how'd you like to have a look at that
1: i think we would all like to have a look at that, that. sounds
2: great Hi, I'm Peter, VK3PB, and welcome from Melbourne, Australia. I'm located today at the Brentwood Secondary College here in Melbourne on a very fine, warm autumn morning, and uh, today's the day of the Moorabbin District's Radio Club Hamfest. This apparently is one of the biggest ham fests here in Victoria, and it's one that I haven't been to before, but it should be worth checking out. So let's go have a look on the tables.
1: Boy, this this looks vaguely familiar.
3: Ah, uh, cables. Yeah. yeah,
1: you know, I would have sworn that same guy was at the Jackson Ham Fest back in February because I
0: think you're right.
1: I think I saw the same cables. And you also always got a good selection of two-way gear there. You can see that commercial stuff that shows up at the ham fest a lot. Yep. Yeah.
3: That looks like a table full of good stuff right there. Yeah, Wireless Institute of Australia.
2: That's like uh, your ARRL.
1: Oh, okay. The ICOM was there, or someone had ICOM
3: gear. Is that ICOM or just a dealer, Peter?
2: Uh, I'm not sure. I I
3: think it might have been a dealer. There's your antenna, isn't it, Tommy? Oh, it sure is. It sure is. I really like that thing what is that? A GPS?
2: I'm not, not sure. Could be.
1: Or maybe an a- APRS. Oh. Scope. Yeah. Books? Yeah, this looks a lot like, like our hamfest, fest, our local one here in Jackson. I and mean, the, the
3: swap tables, it's it looks almost identical. It's a lot of tubes. Yeah, it looks pretty much like the ones up here, too. Yeah, In Missouri? Yep. Yeah, the only one that I've really so far been that's really different
1: is now the Now look at that. You see that? That is an old Radio Shack communication receiver. I don't remember the name on that, that, but That's Gemini. the same
2: one I had.
1: You had one of those? Yeah,
3: I had one. Those are neat. Uh,
2: I actually had a later model, the, the Realistic DX302. Wow, uh, which is a very good receiver. I'm actually okay. looking to buy one in the near future, second hand. a
1: so pan across the room there. You look like you had a pretty good uh, pretty good many hams in there.
2: Yeah. It's about the size of a basketball stadium.
1: Yeah, it's about similar to the size of the, the Ham Fest here in Jackson. Mm-hmm.
3: More HTs. Mm-hmm. That handy talk is about the size of the one I had.
1: <laughs> yeah, it looks like they're doing some business. I saw somebody carrying a rig by just there. Now there's some antennas.
3: Mm-hmm. I would you to see a lot of Outbacker antennas yeah. on there. There's Jim's look tubes. <laughs> look, yeah. look
2: at those old, old tubes there, classics
3: yeah yep i gave away a lot of those <laughs> he spent many hours looking through tubes at Dayton. He, he bought quite a few but there are yeah. still a few that he didn't find i see computers make it to the ham fest there as well
2: oh yes yep actually uh when you're going through looking at this stuff it's all also really important to look under the tables all oh, yeah. the best stuff is, is down there
1: exactly well there's mm-hmm. an oldie but goodie video camera there Mm-hmm. It really looks good, but I'm sure the one that you were holding is much better quality than that one.
2: Wow, <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, this it. is quite a nifty thing.
1: That's interesting. Yeah, I've seen those around.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're usually a place that the Jackson Ham Fest sells those. Really nice power supplies there too, it looked like. test equipment. Mm-hmm. So did you buy a bunch of new gear here, Peter?
2: Or a bunch of gear, period? Uh, no, I was really there just to, to film for the show. But uh, one thing did catch my eye it was some uh, loop antennas, uh, commercially made, which uh, looked rather good. And uh, oh. I was thinking I might get one of those for, uh, for home use.
1: Look at that tube. A... Whoa. Well, <laughs> I don't know what, what what model that is. That's, that's an oddball looking one, like some microwave gear there underneath it, maybe, too. Is some, oh, is that a Kenwood, or what is that?
2: Good question. Looks like it
4: might
1: be. Back through the tables. There's a drill press. You never know what you're going to see at a ham fest, that's for sure.
2: Those drill presses are really useful, actually. Oh, yeah. one. Oh. Because you drill very straight, which is which is important.
1: Yeah, my neighbor up the street just bought a laser-guided one, so I'm looking forward to borrowing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's I guess that's some linear amplifiers, huh?
2: Yep, that's right. It uh, certainly looks like it, and they
3: uh, nice. Um, on your handy talkie. to your chest for your QRP rig. <laughs> there you
0: go.
2: There's those loop antennas I was talking about in past Ah, now, can you stop right there? If memory serves me correctly, that's the Sony ICF-2001D, which I think was also sold as a, a ICF for 7600-something. And it, uh, the guy I was speaking to there was telling me that that is like the radio to get, if you're looking for a second-hand radio, a really, really good quality, high-quality um, portable receiver. And a uh, very good sound selectivity, sensitivity, all those things. Uh, definitely one to uh, to get if you're looking for a, a good second-hand portable.
1: Is a HF rig of some mm-hmm. sort. Yeah, guy's got a pretty good stuff on this table. Mm. Yeah, no doubt. Yes. Peter, I'll tell you, I would not have uh, really known that that footage came from the other side of the world. I mean, it looked just like a ham fest around here.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that it's pretty much the same the world over. And the best thing for you Americans is that uh, your US dollar will buy about $1.25 uh, Australian or thereabouts. So uh, your dollar goes a bit further.
1: Wow, so that $60 amplifier I was looking at would actually be a real bargain in uh, U.S.
2: Yeah, dollars. Yeah, about, about $47 Australian. Wow,
3: wow. Yeah,
1: it's pretty neat. I'll take one. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, we should have <laughs> sent some, some dinero over.
3: Yeah. The some only simoles. Thing you've got
2: to be bit, the only thing you've got to be a bit careful of um, is with some of the electrical equipment. Here in Australia, we use 240 volts, whereas I understand you use 120 volts over in the U.S.
1: Yeah, 120 uh yeah. Of course, we have some stuff that runs on two forty, and and a lot of gear, you know, is tapped where you can run it either way. Are y'all fifty hertz or sixty hertz down there?
2: I think, from memory, it's fifty hertz, but don't quote me on that.
1: Okay.
3: Yeah, that's what I'm what I'm thinking. I think most of the world is we're the yeah. I think we're the oddball,
1: but we're sixty hertz. I think because there's you know, sixty seconds in a minute, or or something another. Mm-hmm. It's it's a timed uh, decision, I believe.
3: We have one more piece of video, don't we, George? Well, Yeah, that's right.
1: We sure do. Our good friend uh, Fox up in New York has put together a little video here that I think all uh, amateur radio operators are really going to like, and, and those guys experimenting with uh, Wi-Fi stuff are going to like this too.
8: Hi, Amateur Logic. This is Fox. You guys probably recognize me from another show, BSOD. Um, just want to say I love your show. Love where you're going. I love all the stuff you're doing on it. Really great show. I um, figured I'd contribute to your show a little bit, with, uh, well, for BSOD I was actually asked to do a whole bunch of stuff for uh, 2.4 gigahertz, and I was donated a significant amount of uh, LMR400 coax by one of the fans of BSOD, uh, Andre Croy. Thank you very much for the cable. And, um, I was looking around my lab, and I came to the realization that I don't have the appropriate coax crumpers for LMR400. And a lot of the things that turn a lot of people off towards uh, fiddling around with 2.4 gigahertz and Wi-Fi with antennas and all that stuff is crimpers are very expensive. I mean, they they can range anywhere from 80 to 150 dollars plus dies and all this. And that and people don't want to go and take a tin can and a scrapped connector and a, an El Cheapo Wi-Fi card and then have to wind up paying more for cable and crimpers than they do for the actual equipment. So I was looking around my lab and. I remembered that metric socket bits have a hexagonal head, which are very similar to the hexagonal head that are in coax crimpers. So, I, uh, I sized up a couple of socket bits. I got one of these uh, deep socket bits, uh, I got an 11 millimeter one, and I cut off from, from here to here, which is the part that goes inside of the, um, the socket bit itself, and then I bisected into two pieces. Now what I have are two pieces of a socket bit That'll actually fit over the crimping collar for LMR 400 class connectors. On my case, I'd be using an end connector um, to apply the pressure on the um, on these two halves of socket bit. I use a standard everyday locking vice grips. Um, if you're going to use vice grips, you're going to need um, you're going to need some man hands. You're going to need quite a bit of gripping power in your hands. You can't use dainty little you know touch nothing but a keyboard girl hands. Um, if you don't have enough power in your hands to use vice grips you can also use channel locks or uh, even a, a household everyday desk vise. Um, cutting the socket bit in half is actually something of a task. Um, I would not recommend using uh, hand tools. I actually used a handsaw to cut off the um, the butt end of this that goes into the socket wrench and believe you me it was a hassle. As for the um, As for the actual bisecting it into two, I used a high-speed rotary tool known as the Dremel with a high-speed cutting wheel. Um, Really if you're doing any of this kind of stuff, you should already have a working knowledge of a Dremel, cutting tools, and all that stuff. So with that said, uh, let's go to the lab desk and I'll give you an example of how I crimp um, end connectors on an LMR 400 coax cable with just a socket bit and my vice grips. Here's my desk vise. I put some LMR 400 cable inside of it just so I can keep it steady while I show you. Uh, The process is what we have to do here. Uh, Some of the tools that we're going to need are of course our vice grips, our bisected socket bit, um, some form of needle nose pliers, some form of wire cutters. Now um, these are standard diagonal cutters and these are not. Um, When you're actually cutting the Center conductor of the coax itself, if you use these, it'll cut the uh, it'll make a cleaner cut. If you use standard diagonal cutters, it'll actually crush the tip of it and deform it. So when you have to put on your um, your center pin of the, of the end connector, these will actually deform it. So you're gonna have to go and do a little bit of work to get it on. We're going to need a razor blade or a utility knife to go and cut the, the sheathing, as well as the dielectric material on the inside uh, away from the, the coax and the signal and all that. And we're going to need a soldering gun. Now this is LMR 400. So it's relatively thick. So I'll be using a a 100 watt soldering gun and a little bit of solder. Um, The first thing that you need to do is go ahead and strip back the appropriate amount of, actually no, the first thing you do, the absolute very first thing, here's our end connector. You need to put the crimping collar on before you make any cuts, before you do anything whatsoever. Okay. The end connector comes in three pieces. You have your center pin right here. You have the actual connector itself, and you have the crimping collar. The crimping collar goes on like so, with a little bit of effort because the coax cable has been slightly deformed. And then we need to um, peel away the coax in layers. We're gonna have to uh, cut away a small amount of outer sheathing and then expose the shielding, pull the shielding back expose the, um, the actual signal center center line, strip that away, solder the center pin on. This will slide over the top. This will slide between, between the, the, uh, the shield layer and the actual outside layer. And then using our crimper, we'll crimp it on. So I'm gonna go off camera and do a little bit of cutting because cutting's boring and no one wants to see that. Okay, I've gone ahead and stripped back some of the uh, outside insulation, trim back some of the, the shielding and trim back some of the uh, center dielectric material and I trim down the um, center conductor so all of that will fit together. Now I'm going to use my 100 watt soldering gun and I'm going to make sure it's nice and hot. I'm going to put a very small thin layer of of solder on this on this center signal conductor so I can solder on this connector, this uh, the center pin connector. Make sure your iron is really, really hot and you don't heat up the center wire too much because this insulating uh, material inside is usually some kind of polyethylene or it doesn't like heat that much so you can actually do a, a fair bit of damage on this on uh, on coax using the wrong kind of soldering soldering utensil so uh, this might take you a few attempts if this is the first time you're ever doing it there we go Central conductor soldered on there's usually a small little hole somewhere around that uh, around on on the uh, the center conductor where you can feed in a small, thin amount of solder. So you might want to keep an eye out for that. Um, once this is cooled down enough, try to cool this down as fast as possible. Cause again, the, uh, center dielectric material does not like heat. We're going to take our end connector and we're going to put it on and then we're going to work our shielding back around over the, uh, the col- like the underneath where the collar is supposed to go. We're going to pull our collar up. Let me adjust the position of this a little bit. There we go. And we're going to pull our collar up, making sure that this connector is as far inward this way and the collar is far this way. So you want to take the two of them and meet them up together like that. So make sure this is as far down as possible. Make sure that's up as far as possible. And then we're going to go and take our uh, makeshift crimper. Put one hex side on the top, one hex side on the bottom. And then we're going to take the vice grips and we're going to put a fair amount of pressure, keeping the um, socket bit as far forward as possible, but not on top of the actual connector. We only want this on top of the collar. You want to make sure you have as close as a fit. Check, double check, triple check, quadruple check. And we're going to take our vice grip, put on like so. We're going to give it one hell of a squeeze. Okay. Now, what I like to do is uh, constantly increase the the tension you're putting on this and just constantly make the grip tighter and tighter and tighter. Actually, I think this might be a little too tight. Nope. There we go. That is, I believe, as tight as it's going to get. I like to let it sit there for a second just to let it set in, but if you're impatient, just pull it off. And lo and behold, there you go, your nice new crimped connector. Well, enjoy everyone.
3: And that idea for those crimpers is pretty nice. I've actually got a roll of that LMR400 in my garage. It's rolled up hanging on the wall. It's got ends on both ends, and but it's actually too long for what I need to use it for. And I don't want to buy a pair of crimpers, so I think I'm actually going to go get a socket and make that myself.
1: Yeah, that is pretty neat.
2: Yeah, it's actually a great tip. Um, I, I don't use the end connectors myself, but uh, on smaller type connectors, I generally, I've i generally been using the, the screw-on type, but I find that they keep falling off, so I think crimping is the way to go.
1: Oh, it definitely is, yeah. I, I uh, never really trusted the screw-on myself. I always like the crimp or solder, and crimp is generally easier, and, and with a good tool like that, you know, um, the connector's going to stay on pretty good. I actually own... Uh, a crimper that will crimp that size of cable, but the tip was so neat, man, I'm thinking about making one myself just just for uh, the heck of it. Yeah, well, I don't
3: have a crimper. I can guarantee you I'll be making that.
1: <laughs> well, guys, I guess that wraps up another uh, AmateurLogic.tv. This is episode number 13. Jim, glad to have you today.
0: Oh, yeah, it was a blast. It was a great trip. I would go again in a heartbeat. For me, that's a measure. Tommy said the same thing. Uh, Yeah, we spent some money, uh, you know, a couple hundred bucks for airfare if you're gonna fly or drive, it's about the same thing and sixty, seventy, a hundred dollars a night for a hotel and uh, rent a car while you're there if you fly for another hundred bucks. So, you're gonna spend less than five hundred dollars by the time you include your food and everything, but it it is a well worth it trip.
3: Yeah, he was right. I'm definitely going back next year. There's no doubt about it. Uh, unless something terrible happens, uh, I will definitely be there and I'm probably gonna take my truck. I saw some good deals on tower and oh, unfortunately they wouldn't let me tie that stuff to the top of the airplane and bring it home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I bet they wouldn't let you carry that walkie-talkie on board either, would they?
3: <laughs> no, they wouldn't let me take my handy-talkie either. Um, Peter, it sure was good to have you on here this time. Yeah,
2: that's oh, been a been a pleasure. Thank you, gentlemen.
3: Yeah, I enjoyed seeing your Hamfest video. It's uh, it's pretty amazing that how similar they are, being so far apart.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, we met Peter. Uh, I guess uh, you know through the show, through the the website there, and correspondence back and forth, and then we got on Echo Link, and. Uh, had several good long QSOs there and uh, we've just kind of worked him in as part of the team here and we appreciate him being on board.
2: Well, it's a pleasure to be able to contribute something to the show and uh, I think the most important thing is just to have a lot of fun uh, and uh, I'm certainly having, doing that just at the moment well, and uh, hopefully I'll be able to bring you some uh, some stuff. W- would you like to know some of the stuff that I've been working on?
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, what have you been into there?
2: Well, the first thing is that this weekend, the Amateur Logic uh, TV Um, logo is going into space Uh, thanks courtesy of JP Aerospace uh, they're sending uh, our logo up on on a weather balloon probably 50 to 60 miles above the Earth's surface. Wow! So uh, I should be able to bring you uh, some photos of that uh, probably in the next episode Uh, I've also uh, just recently bought a Chinese receiver a little shortwave receiver called the Deegan DE1103 and I'm going to do a review on that And it's a great little receiver, by the way. Uh, And uh, so stay tuned for that. And uh, I'm also into amateur television a little bit. And uh, you would have, uh, I think we've got some footage. Yeah, we we do have some footage of uh, a friend of mine giving a talk about uh, amateur TV. And uh, uh, we'll have a look at that in the future.
1: Yeah, I've actually had a little uh, sneak preview of that footage myself. It's some interesting stuff.
3: Yeah, Yeah, I'd like to get into that myself. It looks like a lot of fun. Yeah.
2: I can assure you it is. Uh, I actually have a weekly program which I put on here uh, at Friday, every Friday at 8 o'clock and basically I put on an hour's worth of fish. Uh, that is an hour's worth of uh, digital, water t- uh, digital uh, fish tank and aquarium and I just do it for <laughs> testing purposes and uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun and afterwards, after that's been done um, there's a gap of about an hour and then a friend of mine puts on a uh, rebroadcast of an astronomy club net, which he pumps the audio through the uh, amateur TV repeater. And in between there, we actually get on Skype video and uh, we actually have a two-way conversation and uh, we put both of our uh, faces up uh, up on the uh, ATV repeater. So it's kind of like <laughs> live talk back. It's a lot of fun, I can tell you.
1: Well, uh, have you played amateur logic over there before through the ATV? I-
2: I have. I've got to be a bit careful because there's a prohibition on broadcasting entertainment, and within um, the amateur uh, rules. Uh, but some of the material, for example, you know, your segment on the soldering and that uh, broadly fits within. You know, a, 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 probably wouldn't be regarded as entertainment; it's more educational. So uh, that kind of stuff I, I do throw up from time to time. But uh, just got to be a bit careful about you know not overstepping the mark.
1: Gee, I I never would have thought anybody would have accused us of writing entertainment, would
3: you, Tommy? (laughs) (laughs) No, I've never been accused of being entertaining.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've enjoyed it, everybody. We're glad you could uh, join us today and uh, be here for episode 13. And we hope to be back uh, in the near future with number 14.